Welcome, Welcome to, to the Better, Better Call Daddy Show. This is Big Daddy. Oh my God, that's hysterical. You're not going to believe this. Oh, oh my God. God. Five stars. Five and a half stars. Papa. My dad is my hero. Grandpa, are you ready? I love a good happy ending. Oh boy. Hey, hey, It's a phony baloney. And a tit for tatter. Hey, a lot of these things, I don't know where you're getting them from. It sounds like they're coming from when I look in the mirrors. Damn the public. Damn the public. <laughs> Introducing Erica Campus. Today, she hopes you find pleasure from her passion. She's a bilingual certified sex educator, women's health and pleasure expert, speaker, facilitator, and writer. Erica, welcome. Your whole career path is super interesting and there's so much that we could talk about. I told my dad your bio and he was like, what ages do you teach sex ed to? All ages. K through 12, and then also adults. So all the way through everyone's lifespan. I think most people think once they're adults, especially after high school, that they're done with sex education. And that's really not true. I mean, our bodies change all the time as we get older. And so it's cool to learn about our bodies, especially when it comes to our sexual health. It is so important. It's been a while. It's been a while. I remember it was like in 2008, I remember hearing about these sex toy parties, right? And I've always been interested in sexual health and uh, these sex toys and all that. Mind you, I hadn't tried any, but I was really interested. So I went online, I searched, and I called up a couple of consultants. You know, I did a little research on the company and I scheduled a home party, one of those sex toy home parties, right? And the I invited all my girlfriends because it was women only, which... I loved. So it was like a little girls night in and I had such a great time and I loved the the products. I loved how they were explaining to us how to use them, what their purpose was and what this does. So it's essentially about pleasure with your partner a lot of the times, right? So me being the multi-passionate person that I am, I'm like, well, you know what? I love sales and I love public speaking. And I like meeting new people. So this is like a great opportunity. So I did some research again, and I looked through different companies. I started, I became a consultant with a specific company in 2008. So right after I was like, oh, this is for me. I can do this. So I did it working a full-time job, going to school full-time. I was getting a bachelor's and, you know, and I, I was married, raising a child, a young child. And I'm like, well, I could just throw this in there. I had a good time doing it. I had a good time doing it. So I had to really plan my days, my weekends, especially my weekends. Most of these sex toy parties happen on a weekend, right? Uh, Friday nights, Saturday nights, which worked out for me. I did homework during the day or on a Saturday and then hung out with the family. And then at night I would go do my thing. It was more of a hobby. It was more of a fun thing. And I think I became overwhelmed. And so I stopped doing it after about a year. And I focused on school, graduated, ended up divorced, you know, just things that happen throughout life. I remember in 2013, I went to another sex toy party. I was invited to this one and this one was different. And the consultant and I connected because I already knew a lot about sex ed, right? I did a lot of research on my own. And when the consultant said, who in here would be a great consultant? Everybody pointed at 
Erica, you know, so I thought about it. We talked, her and I talked and she says, whenever you're ready, you know, if you want to join us, she talked about the training that they received. She talked about how important sexual health was for this company and a lot of sexual health training. And that's what got me because the sexual health training is what I wanted because I didn't get it from the other company. I didn't get those team meetings. I didn't get to be a part of a big community of women who empower each other to help empower others, right? It was like a win. I was like, oh, I'm in, I'm in. She's like, yeah, just come to a meeting, check it out. Fell in love with it. The products were classy. Everything was just so cute and pretty. They were very strict. Women 18 and over only. Now this is back in 2013. I loved it. And what I did was I was an insurance agent. That was my first career. I, at that point, was an insurance agent for a gazillion years already. (laughs) And what I did was I worked my full-time job as an insurance, a boring insurance agent. I worked with a lot of older people too. So everybody had families and I was eager to meet other people to talk and especially about sex, right? So I joined and it was like one of the best things that I've ever done. And so I ran both things. I worked full-time and I did this part-time. I started taking it very serious. I was attending the meetings all the time. And then I went to conference and these big conferences. I mean, those are huge. You meet thousands and thousands of other consultants. Now this is a direct sales company, right? I go to this conference and I'm even more hooked. The reason for it is because they let you choose the classes that you want to take. So you can take sales classes, which you do, product classes, and then there's sexual health, you know, like especially throughout the lifespan. Every year there was something different. And I found myself going to these classes. I was always wanting to go there. When I would have my parties, as I would call them, one of the things that I was very well known for was the education piece of it. Like, oh, wow, like I didn't know that. And it felt so good to leave knowing that someone learned something new about their sexuality, about their their bodies. Because one of the biggest things with women is, am I normal? You know, like, why is it that I can't do this? Or why is it that my friend says that they can do this or that? And I can't. And so when I go in to explain all of that, it's just like a sense of relief for them. I remember this girl just came up to me and I think she could have kissed me if she, if I would have probably let her, but she was just so happy that there was nothing wrong with her. I'm like, huh, no, like not everyone can have an orgasm through penetration. You know, it takes stimulation through the clitoris and that's okay. That's very healthy. That was like one of the biggest things that I enjoyed about being a consultant was not only owning my own and having my own business, but I grew it to the point where I quit my job. I quit. It was a hard decision. You know, that whole, I'm quitting my nine to five. I'm going to make my side hustle, my main job. Now I did it. I never regret doing it. Never. That's awesome. Good for never. you. It was That's the best so thing. It was the best thing. I was a single mom. I mean, I was divorced. Your husband didn't like the sex parties. Oh no. Sex yeah. He, parties. He, he didn't mind. No, he didn't. Oh, trust me. He did not mind. My husband then, he didn't, he didn't mind. And he never had an issue. We had other things that unfortunately ended our marriage after a lot of years, but it was just, yeah. Can you talk about navigating that a little bit? Well, that was difficult. On our end, we grew apart. We knew each other when we were very young, high school, young, and we grew apart. We grew up to be two different people. And I didn't want to raise my daughter in an unhealthy environment 
where she then thinks that this is how a relationship is supposed to be. And so I made the decision to walk out. I made a decision to leave. It was hard. It took me two years because we tried. I didn't want to give up. And so we went through counseling and nothing changed. We talked and it was more fighting. And it got to the point where you feel like you're living with a roommate. So when I started to feel that way, like, hey, I deserve happiness. He deserves happiness. And this is not it. I filed for divorce. I filed for divorce. I filed for full custody. But obviously, he, phenomenal father, phenomenal father, always involved in his daughter's life. He's like up there when it comes to fatherhood, like loves his daughter. He would do anything for her. And so I'm grateful that I had a partner that uh, was there. I didn't really have to worry financially about her, you know, about not being able to make ends meet or that something she couldn't wear this or she couldn't get this. She's an only child. And still to this day, <laughs> she's an only child. So she was a bit spoiled. And it was very hard in the beginning for me. I had never been alone. I remember the first six months of it were the worst for me. It was like I wanted to let go. And I was like at the very end of the rope, even though we had already separated and I had my own place and he did too. It was like we were still trying and I was holding on to the last little string. And then finally I said, I can't. Because every time we would get together, I'd feel more depressed. And so I'm like, okay, that's a sign then. Like, okay, Erica, you have to let this go. You can't continue to hurt yourself, him. Just let it go and move on. And I did. It was a hard decision again. I did it. First six months, I saw a therapist because of my depression. I was put on medication too. So for a short period of time, which is it's just nothing. I'm not ashamed of it. It helped when I needed it. And I got off when I thought it was time and it worked. It, it helped me get through that really, really dark time in my life. My family was there to support me. My mom, grandmother, my dad, sisters, friends. But it's that time when you're by yourself. It's like, uh, you know, <laughs> especially when it was his weekend to have her. It's like, well, what do you do? What do uh, you do? What do you do, right? So what I did was after a couple of years, I saw this, I got this pure romance opportunity and that's what I did. And I filled up a lot of that empty, lonely time focusing on this and, and meeting other women and creating like this, this friendship. Like a lot of my great friends are or were consultants. And I mean, it was just great. I, I professionally, I grew so much. It's taught me a lot about myself, what I'm good at, what I'm not, what I deserve, like what I'm good at. And it's okay if I'm not good at that. That was one of my biggest issues, I think, wanting to do something that I wasn't good at, you know, like work-wise maybe. And I, I think I learned to embrace myself and who I was. And in all of that was through this business. It was a stepping stone as well. I found that during these sex toy, I call them workshops or parties. One of the things that I felt was a trend was women not understanding their bodies, right? Like not understanding menstruation internally, the reproductive organs, and a lot of shame behind masturbation, behind pleasure. And I noticed that depending on ethnicity, that was always different. I was very diverse. I get along with everyone and anyone. And I found that different cultures were different as to what they purchased, what they liked, 
what they didn't like. Whether that's was, fascinating. That was also cool. And that's, those are, that's what's fascinating to me was seeing this, right? And being able to analyze all of the things that I saw. It was cool to see people's homes, their friends. And some of them were, it was like, you were their friends. Like, oh my God, come on in, have a drink. I never did. It was just, I'll have some water if I didn't bring my water, if I forgot. But they were just so welcoming. I mean, everyone was so nice. But it's a very intimate place, you know, where we get to talk about intimate things. Sometimes people open up and sometimes they don't. Sometimes you get the, I don't do that, you know, kind of thing. And I try to set a, we don't yuck anybody else's yum you know, like tone in the beginning, because we don't want to make anybody else feel bad. Hey, your friend next to you might love anal, but it doesn't mean that, you know, it's yucky. Like you could just say, oh, you know what? I, it's not my cup of tea and that's okay. Right. But we don't want to ever make someone feel bad that way. So I tried to say that in the beginning, set some ground rules in the beginning, right? Respect and all that. But yeah, it was just sometimes some women were very open and, and, and sex was amazing with the, by themselves or with partner. And some were, you know, it's all about my partner. I don't care about me. I want this specific thing to satisfy my partner. And I'd say, well, what about you? Well, you know, I, I care about him. I care more about like my partner's pleasure. And I'm like, well, you do realize that your pleasure is as important too. The thing was they didn't understand orgasms and they didn't understand what they were missing out on because again it was all about their partner and not them and then we had those that were very involved in sex toys they knew sex toys up and down and they knew exactly what they wanted <laughs> so it was a I learned a lot about what a people. range I'm also interested oh, yeah. in women who've experienced trauma trauma oh yes I did come across some women who would because after the the actual presentation of what I would call a demo I would have what I call like the Vegas room where it was a separate room just where the consultation between me and the person that's where I would ask them what they wanted and if they had any questions and that is where you get the most information about that's where people open up there's someone in the audience that's really listening most of the time they're the quiet ones, right? They're quiet ones. And they're the ones that are like, hmm, in the shopping room. They're the ones that want either the whole catalog, but please don't tell anyone. Okay, everything's confidential. If you want to walk out and show them your 10 inch deal, though, girlfriend, that's on you. But I'm not saying a thing. The, the, the hostess will not even know either. She's just going to know that, hey, all your friends helped purchase $2,000 worth of products and honey, you're going to get like $300 worth of products. Pick anything you want in the catalog, right? And a gift and all that stuff. So it was, everything was confidential. And so I think they loved that. And the bags were, you can't tell what's in them. A lot of times if I didn't carry something or if I ran out of product, I had to carry all these products with me too. So I had a, I used to call it the sex mobile. <laughs> Here comes the sex mobile. Me and my little SUV. There's a sex toy lady. Like they knew I was already pulling up, right? Because my plates had, you know, like the sex toy company and like, you know, it had it all decked out. Yeah, it was just, it was just a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. It was a lot of fun. And again, you're the like, best friend to have. <laughs> right? It was like, well, you know, I had friends like that would call me like, what do you have? Like, come on over, come look through my inventory. I mean, I would carry about five, sometimes $10,000 worth of, of inventory. Right. And it was not just sex toys. 
it was also like lubrications, massaging products, bath and body products, you know, those, those kind of things, essential oils at one point. So a little bit of everything, just because not everyone is going to purchase a sex toy. They're not comfortable and that's okay. I'm not going to force anyone to do so. We consistently had every three months, products would change. New sex toys would come out. You got to keep it interesting, right? How did it evolve? Well, I try to have the new stuff, right? In the beginning, it was hard. You're learning and you're learning how to present at the same time. If that's not your background, learning how to explain it and kind of like sell it in a sense where this is why you need it, like a story behind it. Like this is the benefit of it. And let me tell you, ladies, you are going, your vagina is going to scream, you know? So it was about that. And so I would start with like the bath and beauty products because you want to get yourself feeling sexy. You want to smell sexy. And I would always say, ladies, it's about you. It's all about you. It's about how you feel, your confidence, love yourself, love your body, accept it. You know, there's nothing wrong with who you are, what we see in porn and what we see in magazines, please, especially in porn, please understand that that is fake. That's an actor. Those are all actors who have a script. And guess what? They cut scenes, they add things, they put little machines under where the squirting like reaches to the end of the block. You know, I'm like, that is, that's never going to happen for anyone. I'm sorry, it's just not. And so I'm like, so don't worry. That's just, that's just not real. It was about getting that confidence in them. I would start with an icebreaker game too, like a funny one or a self, like a body positivity game, you know, that kind of stuff, kind of get them going. Uh, I talk about myself a little bit really quick, just to introduce myself. And then we would get on with, you know, the products and I would pass out like the here, smell this. And these are your hormones. This is the hormones that you apply. Look, smell, you are going to get dry humped by your this, by that. Like, you, you know, just like, just, just keep it funny, but yet, you know, entertaining and educational. And then I would slide into the massaging. So it was like transitioning, right? From one thing to another, massaging products to lubrications, the different types of lubrications, which ones to use with what condoms, no condom, you know, like all of that stuff was very important to me. I did not want my client to use something incorrectly. So when they would get a little rowdy, because there's drinking involved, there's loudness. I'd be like, hey, listen, this is so important because if you end up in ER, don't call me because you were not paying attention. <laughs> so it was just about bringing them back into please l- listen up because this lubrication does not go with condoms, right? Has anyone hurt themselves with a toy? Not from what my toys are, but I will tell you a quick story. This one girl, she reached out to me because I'm online and things, uh, Facebook, Instagram and all that stuff. And I was talking about how I was going to quickly go live and talk about different sex toys, right? Like a guide in a sense. And she reaches out and she's like, oh my God, please tell the girls or or just tell your audience that they need to spend a nice, a, a good amount on their sex toy. It's it's a good expense. It's like, because if you're going to order something, she's like, I'm going to tell you, I know, but don't make fun of me. I'm like, all right, what did you do? She says, well, I ordered a a toy online and it was a $20 toy. And she's like, and it shocked my clitoris. Yeah. And I was like, oh my God, are you serious? And she's like laughing so loud. And I'm like, well, first off, are you okay? Does your clitoris still, do you have sensation? Cause oh my, I'm worried about her clitoris and she's sitting there laughing her ass off. And she's like, oh yeah, yeah, I'm okay. But I threw that thing out. I don't know what happened there. So it is so important to 
make sure that you're purchasing a good quality toy. That's exactly what I would always say. You know, hey, if you want a toy that's going to last you, you know, just one or two times, that's your $20 toys. If you want to get your clitoris electrocuted, that's probably your $10 toy, you know? So yeah. And then that's why I would pass out the sex toy. Like I would come around depending on how big the group was so that they can feel the sensation and play with the, you know, the little different volumes of high, low and vibrations. And most importantly, the texture, right? Like the difference in silicone versus plastic. I rarely showed any of that stuff because I'm like, I'm sorry, I, this is not going to last. And I don't want to be known for that cheap, you know, sex toy lady, because I'm not, I'm going to show you good quality, but affordable. And then we're going to go into the luxury ones too. So I had affordable to mid to the criminal crim. And you know what? There's some women that did, that, Hey, I'm going to treat myself. And I want that one. That's the one that has like memory this, and it warmed up in the clitoris oh it was just these toys are like phenomenal and technology mm. just keeps getting better <laughs> so it was really interesting to to get to see that and to be invited into their homes and and to give me the opportunity because I worked from word of mouth I'm also bilingual so I also got into that area too and so it was about learning more how to how to explain it in Spanish because it is a little harder <laughs> it is a little harder even though I speak it some words are difficult and then sounding professional and I was surprised they kept going I have a whole bunch of them that were like okay next week is Herb House next week from that is that one and then it just kept going it was a full like retail business, but I would come to you. Yeah. I don't feel like at a store, you're going to get that. You get a little bit, but not a lot. And then where's the privacy in it though, right? You really have to get deep and you have to make sure that you're giving them something that is going to fit their needs, right? Because we're all different. All of our bodies and pleasures are different. And so I don't, I'm sorry, but I don't want to tell you what your friend said she loves because it may not for you. So let's talk. What do you enjoy the most? What gets you off? Is it external or internal? Is it the clitoris or event? Because if you enjoy more of the clitoral stimulation, then let's try to focus on a toy that will give you that. But if you also want to try internal stimulation, how about a dual action toy, right? One that's inside the, the vaginal area and then one that's on the clitoris, right? So let's try that. Let's give that a try. So those are the things that I would get from them, right? I was using condoms, no condoms, things like that. It, it's Have about you had a little more religious women that don't know their bodies come to you. I had women that were even non-religion that didn't know about their bodies. It's not even religion, religious people. It's people in general. Or like women that don't even enjoy the sensation, like don't yeah. know how to enjoy yeah. pleasure. Oh yeah. For many reasons, some of them would open up them. Um, something happened to them, sexual abuse, rape. Someone was, she was almost killed actually because she was dating someone and the sister did not like her. Now this is like in Mexico. The sister was involved in some gang thing and had someone shoot her and she got shot up everywhere. She showed me like, and that was like a year from when I had met her. I was in shock. Like you can tell like she had, I mean, she was shot in the face. I mean, I'm surprised that she survived. I think a lot of that trauma really affected her because she talked about how she just can't focus and it's hard for her to enjoy pleasure. I'm not a therapist, but if you're not 
seeking counseling, I would definitely recommend you to get that, to, to help you get through that because it is a difficult, I mean, God, you were shot all over. So those are some things that I just. That's probably beyond forget. your scope of sexual healing. Yeah. I, I can't help her, you know, like, and that's when, that's when, you know, Hey, I can't help her and I'm not going to, because, and I'm not even going to attempt to, this is not my expertise. Find a therapist, find a counselor. There's someone that can help you. Since um, we're talking about difficult issues, there was just a condom law the passed three, in yes. California, which is very yes. interesting. And I cannot even honestly believe that that's not nationwide. It's a start. I teach like Chicago public schools right now. Right. And then I teach like community and other community organizations and schools. One of the things that I teach is consent and stealthing and a lot of people don't know what stealthing is so stealthing is when someone is removing let's just say the condom without the other person knowing so if both parties agreed we're going to use this type of protection and one of them decides to let's just say for example remove the condom without telling the other person that's stealthing and that is a form of sexual abuse that person is also violating the other person's consent it's violating so many things. You're violating the person. You're violating, I mean, you're violating so many elements of consent. They enthusiastically said, yes, I'm, you know, let's have sex. Yes, but we're going to use condoms or we're going to use this. Well, we were specific as well. And someone decided to not go through with it. That's violating so many things. So that's what we also teach, like comebacks for when a partner may say, well, I don't want to, I don't like how it feels. Like it just doesn't feel good. Well, you have to find one that does. One of the big things too about condoms, making sure that it's a good fit because if it's too big, it's not going to feel good. If, if it's too tight, too small, it's not going to feel right. So it's about making sure that someone finds the right fit and the right texture and the right feel for them. Communication is also important because of latex allergies. And that's another reason why there's so many different types of condoms. Stealthing should not happen. California is like the, anything related to sex education, sexual health, California is like in the United States, like number one. I'm a certified sex educator, woman's sexual health and pleasure expert. And when I was looking for training and all that stuff, California, California was it. Or from my surprise, other countries like Australia. I mean, they had all these programs and I'm like, why is it that in the United States, we don't have programs like this? I mean, I spent years looking for a program that I can take either online or in person, not for many years, up until maybe a couple of years ago in 2019, where I became certified through Kinsey Institute. I have been searching since like 2010. So almost like, God, like almost 10 years. That's really fascinating. How did you become involved with that institute? Online research. And then after I became certified, one of my goals was to teach youth. And I wanted to teach a bigger audience, not just an audience of women, right? Because I had already done that. Now I wanted to reach out and educate everyone, no matter your age. And so luckily I found a job with this not-for-profit where I'm a sex educator uh, community outreach specialist there too. And then uh, community, I'm also like a program coordinator there. And I get the best sexual health type of training that I can never probably get anywhere. It's not just sex ed, but it's also gender. I mean, it's all part of sex ed, right? But 
when people think sex ed, they think birth control, condoms, STIs, you know, that kind of stuff. But we're also talking life skills. We're talking relationships, healthy, abusive. We want to get that out there too. Sex trafficking. We want to get that out there too. Not a lot, not many talk about that. And then giving out this type of education to everyone so that they can make a decision that works best for them, right? We're giving you the resources. I'm not saying yes, have sex. I'm saying here's the information. So that's called like comprehensive sex education. My daughter came to me yesterday and was like, when am I going to get classes on puberty? And she's 10. It depends on the school. So CPS has made it, I don't want to say a law or anything, but CPS schools have to each every year have a certain amount of hours of sex education. Now, not all schools are complying. Now there's some schools are saying yes. Some schools are saying that yes, but they don't do it. Um, They'll just probably fill it in or they'll have the teachers do it. The problem with that, now I'm not, I'm not bashing teachers because teachers are phenomenal. Like I praise you all for what you do, <laughs> but sex education for a lot of them, is very difficult and they're uncomfortable and that's okay. That's not their expertise. So, you know, when I went to school, I don't know about you, but I was given sex ed from my gym teacher and it was more like, like a scary thing, you know, like don't have sex, right? And totally right. awkward. Yeah. Awkward. And just more like, let me show you the pictures of what's going to happen to your testicles or your vagina. If you have sex, it's like, what, you know, like it was just totally different than how we approach sex at now, but it just depends on the school. And this is also again, age and development totally appropriate, right? We're not going to do that with kindergartners. (laughs) So (laughs) kindergartners is more of a safety thing right? Like making sure that they're safe in all aspects, right? And being able to communicate that with an adult that they trust and not be scared. If you've never heard of Aaron's Law, look it up. Aaron's Law is, I mean, praise her too. It's an Illinois law that every year each school, and I believe it's each grade, talks about safety in, in form of sexual safety, no matter what age. And like, you know, one of the things that that'll that'll stay with me because of what she said was they teach us safety for tornadoes, fire drills. But what about our own body safety? Why are we missing that piece? Especially with the number of women who are and men who are assaulted. Yeah, anyone. Yeah, everyone. But it happened. She was sexually abused, sexually raped several times by people very close to her. And then it finally hit her when the same thing happened to her little sister by the same person. And that's when they, it came out and she started working as an adult, she started working towards making it a law that they show her video and they talk about the safety for any age. So that's something that we also talk about too, like the Aaron's law and making sure that people understand that. Yeah. How do you talk to children about the safety piece? I have not talk to little kids yet, like kindergartners, first grade, we tend to get seven, the youngest I've taught is seventh grade, but we talk about the different types of abuse that there is. And we talk about resources. We talk about the importance of being able to open up and not feeling like something is their fault. 
So we'll show some videos of people who talk about, and we're talking famous people who've gone through some sort of abuse and how they came out and talked about it and how they're helping others going through the same thing, but because they chose to come out and talk about it. You know, like people are threatened if they say something, you know, like little kids or, or anyone in general. And so we talk about how it's never their fault and not to be afraid to talk to someone about it. And just to make sure it's never their fault. That's, that's the main thing because I think victims always feel like it's their fault. Okay, so you work for a nonprofit organization, but have you ever had to deal with people who disagree with what you believe in? Yeah, all the time. I know the organization that I work for, it's not just a sex education. That's only one little small piece of it, but they're also a healthcare organization which provide reproductive healthcare services, birth control, condoms, you know, all that pap smear and also abortions. We get protesters. We have protesters too. So I am actually a coordinator for actual, we call them volunteer, the volunteers to help like escort our patients into, they're not bodyguards or nothing. It's more like directing. Like, okay, it's this way because protesters will try to get them and trick them to go somewhere else or like, hey, go over here, like a fake clinic, you know? I train volunteers on how to avoid them, not to do this and what are laws, because there are laws that protect us and the laws that protect them. And then there's a line that they can't cross. And so we have them all the time. We have them all the time. But here's my thing. Everyone has an opinion. I'm only educating, right? Yeah. I mean, I've come across not even just abortion, but just the whole transgender gender, sexual orientation, that is a big thing, right? That's a big thing that people either understand or they don't want to understand or they just don't like, right? At the end of the day, it's all about respect. I'm going to respect your opinion, but I'm telling you what the facts are. And that's what it is. I'm not here to change your mind. And I'm not going to fight and argue. This is my opinion. This is how I feel. And then you have every right to feel the way that you do. We'll end it there. I'm not confrontational that way. I don't want to argue with someone as long as you don't cross the line and tell me that I'm wrong and that then that's a different story. But I, again, I just try to walk away like this. It's not worth it. I know what I do. And I know that I'm making a difference in someone's life when I educate and I provide this information. When it comes to teaching, for example, in a class where I've had a group of younger kids that mostly they were probably like 17 or 18, they did not believe in someone being transgender to them, it was like attention. Oh, they're doing it for attention. You know, they're just doing it for attention. They're not. And I said, okay, the deal here is you don't have to agree. You don't have to like it. They're human beings at the end of the day. They're just like us and they're no different. And it's all about respecting them. It's all about making sure that we try to use the pronouns that they say that they want to be called. And if you're, if you're not really sure about pronouns, just use their name, treat them like, like anyone else, like any other person right? It's all about respect. That's it. Gender shouldn't matter, but to some people it does. Sexual orientation shouldn't either, but to some people it does. Everyone has to know that it's out there. This is happening. We just have, we have to respect them. You know, we have to respect them. And I don't think they deserve to be treated the way that they are. Are there any stories that stick out in your mind that keep you going? Like you really feel like you've made a difference? I did a lot of it when I was a woman sexual health educator. I know I got a lot of those where again, the women would come up to me and say, Oh my God, like 
thank you so much. I, I wasn't going to come, but I did. I did come to the party and I'm so glad I did because I swear I thought this was wrong with me, you know, and, and so that's, that's great. When it comes to the, the kids, I don't necessarily have communication with them after for safety reasons, their safety, my safety, but we do have them fill out a survey, right? And during COVID, I had to go through this, this training to learn how to teach virtual because I was only teaching in person. That's what I knew. So I had to learn something new, which was cool, but yet very scary. And so we had them fill out surveys. And one of the questions was, is there anything that they would like to tell me or provide? Or how did you like your instructor? And a lot of it was, she's a great educator. Like she's non-judgmental and she listens and, and she allows people to have their own opinion. Like I've had a couple of students say that they've never had an educator like me and that it was great and that we should have more of someone like that that's more open and understanding of differences. I things like that keep me going that I'm doing something I'm changing and that someone said I didn't know that. That's another thing. You know, like I didn't know that. Wow, like that's so cool. I'm like a reproductive nerd. Uh, when it comes to like, I just love teaching the anatomy. Like, isn't the body so cool when I teach them? Like, look, it goes through here and here. And this is how it happens. I'm like so excited, right? My eyes light up and they're like laughing. And I like that. I would like to teach and empower a younger generation to understand their bodies, to understand why things happen and provide them with education and resources. I'm not, when I teach, I'm not I'm not telling them go have sex. No, I'm just there to give them the education. It's comprehensive sex education. I'm giving you all the resources. I also talk about abstinence. I talk about how abstinence is the only method that is 100% effective in preventing pregnancies and STIs, right? And that not everybody has sex and that's okay. But if someone does decide to have sex, here's what you can do to do it safely. Here are the resources. Whenever someone is ready and you make that decision, we want people to make a healthy decision. And that's what's the difference between sex education before and now. We also teach decision-making, which is great. That's something that we were never taught. I was never taught boundaries, how to set boundaries, how to talk about consent, you know, how to say no, how to say yes, how to set that boundary, even as an adult. That's something that's hard. So by teaching that now, it provides them with this knowledge. Where can people find those resources? Go to Planned Parenthood, the website, and you'll get all kinds of information. I can send you a couple of links if you want to add it on. Because yeah, I'll also, totally drop them in the show notes. Yeah, and then my website too. There's different, different resources that we give for abuse, different Chicago community resources that a lot of people don't know exist. So, and if, if they exist here, a lot of them exist in other states too. Okay, awesome. And is there yeah. anything that you would like to ask my dad? What kind of sex education did your dad get? Did he get it from school or from parents? I love that. That's a great question. Thank you so much for having me here. All so, right. Have a beautiful thank you, night. You too. Bye. Thank you. Bye. Now. Let's switch it over to Grandpa. Eric is right about that there's a lot of people that have to figure out their sexuality the hard way through some experience. My mom and dad didn't go over uh, the birds and bees with me. 
You find it from your friends on the street and the strip bars in the movies and the X-rated films. And some of that is really just fantasy land and all acting and not necessarily real. As my grandfather would say, and you've heard this before, where it makes you two people come together and make one person. In modern times here, or as time has spun or as the earth has spun around and taken that trip around the sun for whoever's counting how many years it is, we have at different times in history gone through immorality and gone through promiscuous behavior, which uh, ends up with all kinds of issues. You can get different sexual diseases. Besides that, you can have also some real hard mental issues with relationships and sharing special times with your partner. What's interesting in this story is that a lot of us have experienced sexual activity uh, through the years, and it can change. And she tries very hard to give all different age groups a reality check of some of the difficulties and changes that we go through and where you're trying to not only pleasure your partner, but to pleasure yourself. And that it's just very interesting that we're going to rely on toys and different methods for self-enjoyment when it should be where you hopefully can enjoy your partner and your partner can enjoy you a deep, passionate relationship and where it's not just sex. Unfortunately, sometimes even that changes over a period of time. I wish I had all the answers on it, but it isn't an easy question. Thanks for listening to the Better Call Daddy Show. Now you can subscribe on Apple Podcasts, Google Play, Spotify, iHeartRadio, and TuneIn. If you've enjoyed this episode of the Better Call Daddy Show, please feel free to review it at ratethispodcast.com slash bettercalldaddy. Add Better Call Daddy Podcast on IG at Rena Friedman Watts on LinkedIn.com. 